This is Talkin' Mule Deer with your hosts, Steve Belinda and Jody Stemmler. Talkin' Mule Deer takes you on a journey to learn more about the Mule Deer Foundation, Mule Deer and Blacktail Deer Biology and Management, tips and tactics for hunting, conservation issues, and even features some of our corporate and celebrity partners. Now, let's start talking Mule Deer. Hey, it's Jody Stemmler. And I'm Steve Belinda, and you're talking Mule Deer. So today we have uh, repeat guests. But it's important re- yeah, repeat yeah. guests, because we're talking to, uh, well... Miles Moretti, so maybe he's not important, but we've got <laughs> Jeff Crane <laughs> with the Congressional Sportsman's Foundation. Gentlemen, thank you very much for being here. Great to be here. Thank you for having us. Well, we appreciate for you me. taking time. And, and your repeat, because you guys, we sat down with you last year to talk about um, successes congressionally, uh, legislatively, uh, and in state caucuses around the mm-hmm. country. We also were talking about what was coming up and you were seeing on the horizon. And some of those things have happened now so tell us a little we we have we have accomplished things that we talked about on our podcast last year that's true so let's i'm not sure all of the people who listen know what great successes we've had so give us a little bit of a rundown on some of the things that we achieved in 2019 so let's we back it up look at it from a year ago and we think about okay the democrats had just taken over the house midterm elections Went from Republican House, Senate, and White House to Republican Senate. They retained the Senate, and a Democrat controlled the House. So everyone's initial reaction was, well, divided Congress, stalemate, we're not going to get anything done. Nothing could have been further from the truth. Uh, Probably S-47, the Dingle Act, passed in March of last year, maybe in the last 10 years, the biggest lands package um, for public access that has been passed uh, probably maybe this you know this century actually and so it was huge. So tell us a little bit about that because that was actually a, co- uh, a compilation, a, a bill that packaged a number An of omnibus. different a d- number of different legislative things that were all sportsmen's priorities as well as some public land related priorities and and brought together quite a diverse coalition of people who supported it. Tell us what that looked like because we didn't know that much about it at the time we were talking to you last year. So. Uh, um, at least for a decade, we've been working on a comprehensive sportsman's package. And for one reason or another, we came up short, came up short, came up short. Tried to hitch it on the energy package that died in the end of 2018. Was resurrected in 2019 very quickly by, by Senator Murkowski, uh, the chairman of the uh, Environment and Natural Resources Committee. And they kind of did what they call the four corners, which are the two main committees in the House and the two main committees of jurisdiction in the Senate. And they got an agreement out of this thing. And uh, about eight or nine of our, our sportsmen's priorities um, hitched a ride on that big package. And uh, uh, I think probably in my mind, most significantly was the, the ability to statutorily say that federal public lands are open for access for sportsmen and women for hunting, fishing, recreational shooting, unless there's a reason that they they have to be demonstrated why they're closed. And that that was BLM land and Forest Service land. And to statutorily make make that commitment in a bipartisan Congress signed by the president, I think that's an enormous an enormous win for Absolutely. sportsmen and women. But Jeff, why is that important? I mean, it, it used to be that's a no-brainer. They're open, you know. Why do we need now that legislation to? You know, is, is it the fact that times are changing, demographics are changing? There's challenges out there. Yeah, Steve. I think that's exactly what it came down to. We've seen, you know, some people may have characterized them as insidious. Some of it just may be, you know, just a change of philosophy. But we've definitely seen. 
a, a, a change in this idea that they were, were actually clo closing things off, you know. And so um, I think that it's really important to, to, to block it in there so that the future administrations don't, can't arbitrarily do that. Yeah, we're, we're out in the West. We find a lot of a lot of areas on the Forest Service and the BLM that have been closed administratively for some really strange reasons. And uh, and you know, BLM's usually been pretty good. They're they're open and less posted closed. But it was definitely having problems on the forest, and and a lot of that impacted things like hunter access, the ability to get in and do uh, projects, different things like that. And so um, that's really going to help make sure that there's a real legitimate reason to close those areas so you're not just saying it you're not prioritizing hunting you're basically saying that it's open if folks want to use it it's right. open it's for yeah. recreation mountain bikers everybody okay right. yeah well that's good to know but um so it was a bipartisan bill right it yeah was quite a bit of support on both sides yep it had a, it had a huge vote in both the house and the senate another provision that i think is is historic in there the land and water conservation fund got uh permanently authorized along with the lwcf was the making public lands public provision which sets aside um specific amounts for access only um, easements or, or, or fee title purchases to provide greater access for the public for hunting and fishing and outdoor recreational activity. So um, it's um, $15 million or 3%, so it's significant. And it's important because what, what a lot of people, and this is something I worked on with you years ago right. um, when I used to work for Congressional when Sportsman's Foundation young. a long time ago. Um, but the, the idea, so the Land and Water Conservation Fund generally has been used for large purchases, Correct. big acreage, and, and they, they rank projects out based on lots of times the size and the habitat implications. But, but access can get squeezed by a narrow window where there's public land or that's being blocked by private land. Right. There are opportunities to acquire easements or purchase land that would allow e access to those acreage behind. Right. But they weren't ranking well in the LWCF process because they didn't have as much habitat value or things like that, but it, access value was pretty high. So that's what this money is intended to do, is to provide funding to allow those easements or that acquisition that'll allow access to the, the lands that are behind that private land um, in a voluntary basis to, to, yeah, to get. Yeah, that's the, the key. Yep. It's a voluntary basis. Yep. This is not a this is not a government take. Right. You know, but yes, that's exactly right. So we still have to get an annual appropriation for that. Right now, for for LWCF, um, that's correct. We legislation is pending now to try to to try to permanently not only it's authorized but to permanently peg a number to it and and make that you know take it away from the subject to appropriations, yeah, which so. makes it even more nonpartisan. Which conservation correct. should be so. correct. And this is this is funding that's coming in from offshore oil and gas development. Correct. So this is money that's supposed to be coming in and used for this purpose. But it hasn't been. It has to be author, uh, 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 appropriated, appropriated by Congress. Correct. And so um, so the, the intention is to try to get the $900 million that's supposed to go to that fund to actually go to that fund Correct. every year. Yeah. So okay. what else was in the bill of, of importance? You know, maybe a couple more highlights. Um, <laughs> weird that a year goes by. I should know this on the top of my head. But I'm now starting to think about all the stuff we got in the pipeline right now. And... and uh, um, um, All right. Well, what's in the pipeline then? So the ACE Act right now that passed out. Uh, That's of the American Conservation, Conservation Enhancement. Enhancement Act. Right, and in that was moving uh, 
reauthorizing the North American Wetlands Conservation Act up to $60 million, which would be, a for, for modern times, a historic high. Money for the Chesapeake Bay area. Um, Great Lakes. The Great Lakes, authorizing the National Fish Habitat uh, Plan, um, and, and then, you know, permanently protecting um, lead fishing tackle from regulation under the toxic Toxic Substance Control Act, TOSCA, which yep. it has no business but trying to do But there was also uh, authorization for chronic wasting disease chronic wasting task force. Disease, yep. um, and there was also funding for depredation and by for, from, for from livestock from depredation from, from uh, protected from species from correct, wolves, and, wolves grizzly and grizzly bears. So, yeah, it was, and that one came out of the, the Senate on a voice vote. Within one week of coming back from, from the Christmas break, it passed the Senate on a voice vote. And that's, it's, so it, let me explain what a voice vote is. That means that they're not doing A's and A's because everybody's everybody saying, agrees. yep, yeah. we're passing this bill. It's like acclamation. Or yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's, yeah. A, it's, it's, a, it's virtually everybody in the Senate saying, yeah, we're for this. Yeah. So, it, you know. It's and a no-brainer. So let's move on. Exactly. Let's get it done. So it's, it, it, it's back in the House now because they used a House vehicle and attached the ACE Act to that, sent it back to the House. We're working with the leaders of the committee and the, the Democrat leadership in the House to try to accept the Senate. Otherwise, it ping-pongs back and forth, and we're told that if it ping-pongs with changes back to the Senate, especially as you, you mentioned uh, in, in an offline conversation just with the fact that the impeachment stuff's going on, nothing's happening in the Senate right now. So you lose a whole month probably in the Senate right now. So we are trying to encourage them, accept the package as it is in the House, Send it to the president, and all these things become law as well. Is this something that hunters can help do? Can they call their members of the, the U.S. House of Representatives and, and call their congressmen and say, we want the ACE Act passed? Yeah, you could do yep. that. I would think it's probably even more important at this point. This is ultimately going to come down to a, uh, a decision that Speaker Pelosi and, and Majority Leader Steny Hoyer got to make. You know, it's a political call on this thing, and... and uh, um, so you, that would be a target area if you're not afraid to write the Speaker of the House, which I don't know why anybody wouldn't be, you know. So. Or call your congressman and ask them to them pressure the leadership pressure. in the exactly. House. That's another way you to bet. do it, to, to tap into your own, yep. uh, your elected officials. Yep. you bet. Well, we say this, you know, conservation is not partisan. Here's a really good example. Regardless of which party's pushing this and which party's in power, this needs to happen. Right. It's got support of the elected officials now. The president has indicated he'd sign the bill. If it doesn't happen very quickly, we're going to get caught up in election year political cycle, which may mean we have to start over uh, after the election. Right. And, you know, then then depending on how the election goes, it's a crapshoot, you know. And so right now we've got the opportunity to, to, to take this win. We just need to convince the, the Democratic leadership in the House that this is this is OK to accept the Senate package. And really, it's. It's breaking down on like one or two minor provisions, which is just a little astounding to me that all that good bipartisan, again, a unanimous vote or no vote, so a unanimous just consent by the Senate on a bipartisan basis and why it would be potentially derailed is just, you know, that's that's a little worrisome. Yeah. Are there any other pieces of legislation that are uh, either on the horizon or something that you're watching? Yeah, we worked hard. Uh, I think we talked about it last year is the Recovering America's uh, Wildlife Act. Okay. Um, got a lot of good uh, traction on that in the House. Uh, it's got 170, 180 co-sponsors right now. 
passed out of the House Natural Resources Committee on a strong bipartisan vote. So we are working to try to get the uh, commitment again out of the leadership and the Democrat leadership in the House to give it some floor time. And we're working in the so Senate to try to try to get a counterpart. Remind us, we did talk about it, but yep. what it, what would that do? So Recovering America's Wildlife Act was an idea to take, well, the funding has changed a little bit, but basically it's an attempt to try to get funding through the state wildlife agencies to get out in front of species, species of greatest conservation need. Uh, there's nearly 12,000 candidate species that could be potentially listed under the Endangered Species Act, and this is an effort to be proactive get money out in front, use the state agencies to try to do the right things. It's using the Pittman-Robertson account, so, uh, you know, it's oversimplifying it, but Pittman-Robertson worked for, for game species. Let's do this for non-game well, species, and that's what this is. So it's complementary to Pittman-Robertson by plussing up the Pittman-Robertson. Right, so, so what's relevant is that hunters and anglers pay into the Pittman-Robertson and Dingle-Johnson funds through excise taxes, um, simplified version of that. Right. That has been gone for 50, 75 years, depending on which account you're talking about, right. to help state fish and wildlife agencies manage fish and wildlife species. They are having to deal with a lot more than just hunted and fish species, and they're using that funding. Not, all, I mean, they, they direct most of it towards that, but they're trying to cobble together the funding they need for some of these species that may be on the edge or might be having more challenges with their, their populations or seeing population declines. Having funding for this will allow the Pittman-Robertson dollars to get back to where they're supposed to go. Um, it will increase the overall agency efficiency uh, and ability to work on a broad range of species. So it's kind of a win for sportsmen as well that they'll be able to, uh, to, to, to see their money going back and really working on game and fish and wildlife species, right? Yeah. One of the biggest things I like about it is, is it's not telling what the states, what they should do. Right. The states have identified their priorities through their state wildlife action plans. That's right. And so they get to choose then where they apply that money in a simplified version. Which could include game species. Exactly. And there yeah, are a number of state wildlife action plans that have identified mule deer, actually, Most as a species in need. Most of have mule deer of because yes. of the long-term issues with habitat and the long-term downward trends we've been seeing. Plus the economic driver that mule deer provides from a user pay standpoint going each year. So this will give us a little bit more opportunity if the state so chooses to, to help manage that species and keep it you know, turn the trend around, stabilize populations, but really take care of what the state's already decided through their processes are important. Yeah. So another thing that uh, you guys are both members of the Hunting and Shooting Sports Conservation Council. Uh, we yes. talked about that last time. Mm -hmm. And I know that in your fall meeting or the one right before the holidays, um, you talked about migration quarters there, right? Uh, amongst other things, but that right. was a topic. So tell us a little bit about what you're working on with that and what you heard from Secretary Purdue and Secretary Bernhardt about that. Um, yeah, uh, it, Jeff uh, gave me the challenge of being head of the Wildlife Conservation Committee, uh, subcommittee, and, and under that committee. That's because you elected me chair along with true. the rest <laughs> of the guys, true. Miles. That's true. So and we have also some subgroup works on that, but we've made some recommendations to the secretaries uh, about, you know, continuing um, and maybe even broadening a little bit the, the, the migration corridor uh, secretarial order. But I can tell you what, um, they have 
Secretary Barnhart and and is just been so support, supportive there, and we've been able to accomplish a lot of work. The big grant we've got in Wyoming, uh, the NIFWIF uh, grants, National Fish and Wildlife Foundation grants, has really helped. And uh, so we made some, uh, and we also Secretary Purdue said, tell us how we can help on the Forest Service side, on the on the ag side. And so we're, our committee will be bringing some recommendations uh, up to uh, the council uh, to talk about what we can do on, on Department of Ag Lands. Uh, and the other thing, um, the other big topic that came out of our committee was CWD. And they've asked us to provide them some additional recommendations. Secretary Barnhart has put together a task force um, that's been also identified in one of the bills. And right. so, uh, but, but a lot of the work for CWD is in Department of Agriculture. And again, Secretary Purdue just said, send me some things that we can do, uh, that we can help. And so our subcommittee on CWD is putting that together. So we, we have, I think, really have come up with some great information, uh, great uh, requests through uh, these committees, through the council. And, and a lot of them are being implemented. Uh, a couple things we didn't get answers to, so we're going back a second time, but we're not going to give up. So, Miles, I've, I've asked this to, to a lot of folks that have served on advisory committees. How well is it functioning, and, and are the secretaries listening to what you guys recommend? I, I mean, at first, I think, uh, you know, we got a lot of secretarial orders, and there was a lot of things that the agencies weren't implementing. And so through the council, we asked those to be raised as a higher priority. And, um, you know, I'll give an example. The categorical exclusion for sage-grouse and mule deer, that's, you know, uh, close to my heart. Um, Something you know, we've talked about a number yeah, of times on this podcast. Times, yeah. but, <laughs> but it kind of got drug in the bureaucracy of the organization and stuff. And, and we've highlighted that. And, and, and the last meeting, I brought that up and... Secretary Barnhart says, I'm on it, and pointed right at me and said, and it is moving. It's slow, but it's moving. It's getting through the process. So they are listening uh, and, and doing what they can, uh, but some of this is just bogged down in bureaucracy. Yeah, but Miles, I would, and Steve, I would, I would just, you know, to give some credit there, both Secretary Purdue and Secretary yep. Bernhardt have personally made it uh a priority yep. there is to personally attend at least yep. part of these meetings. Um, and oftentimes we've had both of them. And, both, yeah. and, and you know, th and they're directing senior level folks there to sit in and listen. And, and we've got good rapport with them and a good relationship. And, and as Miles said, you know, if we're not satisfied with the answer round one, we're pushing it back again and saying, you know, we don't, this is a bureaucratic, and I'm not taking shots at the bureaucrats, but and sometimes when they see us trying to suggest the, the, the way of doing things has got to change, you know, everybody's natural reaction is, well, I've doing, been doing it my way. And, you know, you just got to kind of be, be forceful but in a positive way. And I think that's what we're trying to do. And I, I feel like we've made uh, a tremendous amount, not just because I'm the chairman of it, but because I just feel like we've been very active. We've been... We've been busy. We've, you know, the committee chairs, we've got four different committees under the council right now. They're all meeting and able to bring stuff. So we, we really make the most use of our time when we're sitting in the meetings. The reason I ask that question is not to disparage this administration over any other yeah. ones or, you know, prop them up unnecessarily. The reason I ask is a lot of folks don't know who our voices are 
in a political or bureaucratic process. The council is an official advisory voice right. to two secretaries, two cabinet secretaries. Right. So it's important for folks to understand that their involvement through the organizations, up through the people that are, are put on those councils, who it's a very highly competitive thing, that they can be assured that the sportsman's voice, the conservation needs of our species is actually getting to the highest level and it's being taken seriously. Now, we understand how uh, agencies work. Sometimes bureaucracy slows us down. Sometimes things aren't as important as we want to make them seem. But at least folks can be assured that you two, to particularly Jeff as, as chair, that you're doing the best job you can to make sure that those needs and concerns of the people that you represent are being expressed to the right people. And at, and at this case, it's the highest level of our government, those people that run multiple agencies and sit around the cabinet table with the president. And I think that cannot be understated. And a lot of folks may not know the importance of an advisory group like the Hunting and Shooting Sports Conservation Council. So that's the reason I bring that up. You know, Jody, I'm looking at you because you sort of rolled my eyes when I bring it up. No, I didn't. Oh. <laughs> Maybe it's something that's, that's it. End of day. I'm starting yeah. to get tired. Yeah. Maybe you're putting me to sleep, Steve. Yeah. Maybe that, that's that it. Could happen. <laughs> but, but, but Steve, it, I think you're exactly right. I think that when you get two cabinet secretaries that are personally absolutely. vested enough to want to come to the meetings, to listen to it, you know, I don't know what we could, as a community at large of hunters and, and anglers and outdoors people that we could hope for than to have that ability to talk to them right in right look right at them as miles said you know i was sitting there and secretary bernard said i'm on it pointed his finger right at miles knew that miles was carrying that message on behalf of not only the the mule deer uh foundation folks but on on you know anybody that cares about the western landscape you know well and and i you know how what a lot of people don't understand, too, is sometimes is these agencies are so large and have such a diverse mission that, you know, a lot of times in the past, hunting and fishing wasn't a high priority. These two secretaries are hunters, and and are and they've elevated this. And, yep. and it's important, and like I say, to get them at the camp both there and to stay and to be engaged and answer questions. And I, you know, and then to see them become more and more educated uh, on the issues every time you hear them speak because we keep bringing them up to them and saying these are important to us and they, they, they're out there saying them in their speeches. Well, and from those of us that don't work at that level, the nice thing is is when we go in to deal with issues with their staff or agency folks, we're no longer trying to educate them up to speed. We're talking about solutions. We're talking right. about addressing issues. We don't have to explain the difference between a mule deer and a whitetail deer. Right. They know what that is. They know what the issues are, so we can spend that precious time working on the things we should be working on, which are solutions to these challenges that are in front of us. Yep. And, and again, we are getting very specific on, on recommendations. You know, I, I kind of think one of my thoughts on it was make sure that it's, it's relevant, that it matters to the sportsmen and women of, uh, of America, and it's within the purview of something that the secretaries right. can change. Right. You know, and otherwise we're wasting our time. We're talking, you know, how are we going to change recruitment for hunting and fishing, getting more kids outside? Well, they don't have any more ability. Hey, they do, but, I mean, you know, 
we're talking about specific stuff that they know that it falls under their purview and let's go after those specific things so yeah. we're very you know it, it's it's detailed I, i'm 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 very pleased i think collectively with the work that the council's been doing that's awesome so there's another group that uh you both are involved in it's called the american wildlife conservation partners and i don't want to say group because it's a it's more of a network. of a network a, a collaboration yep. of all of the sportsmen's organizations um so mule deer foundation congressional sportsman foundation turkey federation elk foundation That's nearly 50 grouse 50 society groups, yeah. uh, there's fishing group so tell us a little bit about what that is and because i know you guys are also working now with a, a presidential election coming up um that there's going to be some recommendations that you want to make that continue to carry forward um so tell us a little bit about what awcp is is doing and and what you can expect to see from that moving forward here in the next couple of months well one of the things that we do that uh, a product we put together is um, it's called uh, wildlife for the 21st century and every four years whether it's a, a new president or a new administration or one one being reelected we present these list of priorities that are important to us in the conservation wildlife conservation community and it's it's and then we put that in a form and we used to give it to the president after they were elected and their staffs were in place we now give it to both campaigns when the candidates uh both uh, parties decide on who their candidate is and uh, in this case we still have an incumbent that's running so you know we'll we'll give it to them but but they pretty much already know but but we generally give that to them so that they can build their platforms they can put that into their into their platforms and they can and as they go forward and even when they're on the campaign trail they'll have those issues that they can they can look at and say oh these are important to the people in this area and it's it's really used a lot in fact I was, it was really neat to see Secretary Barnhart in the White House uh, giving a speech, and uh, when he opened his folder, the, the W21 booklet from the previous one we'd written was in his folder. Hmm. So it, it gets used. It's effective. It's effective, and you've got all these 50 organizations signing on to this so they know what's coming from a broad coalition of, of people. So, so that's we're, one, so one we're of writing version six right now. Right. Getting right. ready for the candidates. Right. Yep. What are the topics? What are just a couple of the topics that are included in there? Without, uh, you, know, you know, I mean, you know, the typical ones, uh, CWD's big, uh, you know, continue working on public access. Corridors. Uh, corridors. Uh, uh, energy. Energy, energy development's always Private in there. Yeah. Right. Private lands conservation. Private lands conservation, farm bill, all those issues. So, so you guys, you, you, you go through the issue. You boil down what the topic is, and you make a couple of recommendations yep. per topic that we've all agreed on. Right. And then that's given to the people in, in position of power and, and For the candidates, yeah. And, yep. and we hope to see, regardless of who wins, that stuff being implemented or at least being addressed. And then if you overlay the work of the the... the Federal advisory councils, you'll see that the, that there's obviously an uh, interlocking of those same same recommendations, and so it's I think it's it's a it's a way for the entire community to feel like they've got because there's only X number of us that are on the council representing X number of groups, and 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 this way I think it kind of brings everybody in because the W21 recommendations roll up into the council recommendations, so it kind of Again, it just reinforces that it's a lot bigger than the, the small yep. group of us that sit on that that council that are appointed by the secretary. So yeah, we'll we'll definitely be bringing those priorities 
up as if the council continues you know we'll be we'll continue to bring those those priorities forward well i think it's you know in in a world where it seems like hair color divides us (laughs) um it's really encouraging to see these groups coming together on issues agreeing on a set of recommendations by issue and then all handing this and saying this is what our community thinks are the top priorities please make it your own yeah yep well, well said. It's exactly yeah. what it is. Well, it's it's neat to see, and I think it's a really important for for Mule Deer Foundation members and other people who are interested in conservation to know that this kind of dialogue is going on across a variety of conservation organizations, and effectively working those messages into elected officials, whether that's in the administration or in Congress or even in state capitals through uh, through legislatures as well. So moving forward in election year, what are some of the things that you guys see coming down um, over the next few months? Uh, what can members do to get involved or be aware? Or how can they follow up and, and stay on top of these issues? So... Um First of all, I mean, always reach out to your elected officials. Um, if you're looking for talking points or information, um, you know, I know the, the Mule Deer Foundation has got information. The Congressional Sportsman's Foundation has information. You can go onto our website, uh, www.congressionalsportsman.org. Um, click on your state. You can see what's going on there. It'll have how to contact your members in the U.S. delegation or your state legislative folks. and. Uh, you can't stress enough be engaged you know don't be intimidated by the process be engaged politics is local the people that are going to need your vote in in november of this year are the same people that you're you you've got some leverage right now Absolutely. so reach out and, and reach let out. them know what's be going courteous. on be, be courteous respectful. oh yeah explain yeah. how it affects yep. you at home right? right i mean that's the important thing they're elected to represent you um, yep. and your state we don't, and I mean, in any conversation, we don't gain anything by yelling one side or another. No. But presenting your case and the You're information. You're just not yelling loud enough. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't live in your house. You yell. No, <laughs> no but I do do that. Yeah, I well, well, that's because you're hard of hearing. Yeah. So, <laughs> but anyway, it be be respectful, but but have that conversation and tell why that issue is important to you in your state in their district um, and bring it back to home because they need to hear from that. Or if they're not going to hear from you, you're going to hear from the other side, and, and that may sway them in a different direction. And it, it also, sorry, Miles, it, no, it, it, may be, it may sound a little cliche to say this also, but it's important to find out, and I'm not talking Republican, Democrat, I don't care what party, but it's important to know where your potential candidates or your elected officials stand on your issues. And, and, and it's not it, it's totally okay to reach out and ask them about that and if you don't like their answers it's up to you to decide but you know engage in the political process i can tell you from working inside the beltway every day the, the if you send us a good solid pro sportsman men and women in elected positions it makes the job a lot easier as miles said earlier both secretary purdue and secretary bernhardt are both sportsmen and you know, we're talking the same language, so I'd love to see a, a full Congress full of people that hunt and fish. At I know one that's time, a, it probably I, 100% was. 100% yes. it was. I don't know now, but it's still, the more we can get in there, the easier the job becomes. So get out, figure out what your your candidates stand for, vote, vote, get out and vote, do your do your civic responsibility, and send us people we can work with. So Well, so yeah. um, if you had one wish for this year... If you could pick one thing, one bill that you wanted passed, and see what would it be, Jeff? I would, I would, 
I would say for the, the long-term impact of it would probably be the RAWA Recovering America's Wildlife Act. You know, I just think that that, has, that, has, that, is a, that is a Pittman-Robertson-esque, a Clean Water Act, Clean Air Act kind of long-term ability to try to head off, you know, critical habitat loss and these potential listing of species. How much is that a year? $1.4 billion dollars a year. And, and it's even in Washington, it sounds like a lot of money, and it is a lot of money, but you think about just one listed species, you think about what the what the Fish and Wildlife Service is spending now on, and a lot of it on defending litigation and things like that. This is trying to get proactive, get ahead, let the states, as you said, Steve, turn this into something where the states... You know, which is, is is exactly where wildlife management needs to be. So, Miles, what would you get if you had one wish? Me? I I would like to see two things. Actually, I'm going to tell you two. I want to see funding in the highway bill for wildlife transportation crossings more. and more funding for research and monitoring for CWD. Yeah. Those are my two priorities. Those are mine too. If I can amend <laughs> mine, I got well, too many of them. There's, you there's ask, a lot of you ask for, for you one. ask yeah, for and, one. And Miles cheated so. and did. Yeah. Yeah. Well, cheat. We give him a little latitude. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. He's the boss. Yeah. 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 So. So one of the things we want to to make sure our listeners understand is their needs, their concerns, their voice is strong right now with you two and many others, to elected officials, officials and to agency department heads that when someone says, well, they don't know what we want back there, we can actually say, yeah, I think we, they do know what we want. They may not be able to give it to us for a lot of other reasons, but at least we know that your voice, the message you carry, is getting through to the right people. And I want to thank you both for that. You've both got a lot of work ahead of you. you have a, congratulations on all the work that you've, the successes you've done to date. I don't think it would have happened without the dedicated time you've spent and the leadership you've shown. So, again, it's uh, something that most people won't know, but we're trying to highlight this. So thank you again. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks for all you do. Thank you for taking the time out of your day to to visit with us and tell us what's going on and and, and help our listeners to to get more involved. You bet. Thanks again. Until next time, this is Jody Stemler. And I'm Steve Belinda, and thank you for talking Mule Deer. Thanks for talking Mule Deer with Steve Belinda and Jody Stemler. The Mule Deer Foundation is the only conservation group in North America dedicated to restoring, improving, and protecting mule deer and black-tailed deer and their habitat. MDF is a strong voice for hunters in access, wildlife management, and conservation policy issues. To find out more, visit www.muledeer.org and stay tuned for the next episode of Talkin' Mule Deer.